Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt Where podcast. To hunt it's, it's, okay. It's, it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. That was pathetic. It's like they nudged. Yeah, well, it's probably good. It's like, hey, do you want to cheers? No, let's nudge. We're not swapping spit. <laughs> hey, on a positive note, the guy that we had test positive at work for COVID mm-hmm. healed up good back to work okay good so alive yeah that, that's the positive and, and, and uh, it's not the ghost of tom jones no he's not all right and fact of the matter is he was so bored that he even listened to our show oh that's how you know it's bad <laughs> hey everybody uh welcome to the where to hunt podcast uh, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts aka the okayest podcast in the midwest i'm eric i'm just me and we got me here with us. And, uh, you know, this is the OKest Hunter podcast studio. If you don't know that or if you haven't checked them out, please head on over to OKestHunter.com. If you like what you see and you want to support conservation and help put an end to buck shaming, uh, then you can enter in code WTH podcast and save 10%. And let okay. me tell you, I'm wearing a shirt right now and it's a super lightweight blend. It's great for these hot days. Beautiful. So uh, this is the old shooter buck shirt. Nice. Yeah, never pass. That's what they say. That's what they say. I like <laughs> that hat you got on. Yeah, the antler cap. I like it a lot. Um, anyway, uh, sponsorship callouts. We got a couple of them. Why don't you start first, and then we'll roll into the other ones. We'll flip right. it on its head. Vector Custom Shop. If you're looking for a custom-built set of arrows, you know, as of lately, they're not really building them completely, but they are fletching them and boxing them up with the inserts, is what I was told. So... Either way, if you're looking for a set of arrows built to your spec, they come with all the parts to your spec, look no further than Vector Custom Shop. Uh, Go to VectorCustomShop.com. You can select your your spine, your weight. You can have them build you a test pack of two arrows. Uh, You can test out a couple different variations if you want before you make an order of a half dozen or a dozen. Uh, And then when you do decide to order them up, uh, use the... Discount code where to hunt the word where number two hunt and it'll save you ten percent off any vector custom vector custom mm, shop. I screwed it's been it up a minute since you since I you did, did that. It's all right. I gotta see which sounds I got here because we're gonna run some ads real quick. We're gonna do. Uh... Wake up and smell the coffee. Backwoods grind coffee, that is. 
Now this ain't your fancy schmancy city boy coffee. This is what your grandpappy used to drink. And lucky enough for you loaf around slack asses, they got a subscription service. Deliver any other six blends right to your door. Even a sampler. I like the fireside blend. Nice and dark. But they got something to suit every one of your tastes. Light to dark and everything in between. Backwoods Grind Coffee. For those who work hard and play harder. Take a look at your feet. Are you wearing Gumleaf USA boots? If you said no, you gotta reevaluate some things. Each pair is handmade and tested to take over a million flexes. These boots will take just about anything you can throw at them. Use promo code W2H2020 for 10% off your final purchase at gumleafusa.com. All right, so, boom, Gumleaf Boots, Backwoods Grind. I do got to put in the code still for Backwoods Grind. I got to plug it. You had me fall on my face first. (laughs) Uh, For Backwoods Grind, if you want to try out their coffee, I just shared it with a bunch of people camping a couple weeks ago, and everyone's like, holy shit, this is good. It really is. So W2H podcast for 10% off, and I recommend if you haven't tried it, do a sampler pack, see what you like, get your taste buds dialed in, and then go from there. Good stuff, good guys out of Mississippi, so... Uh, yeah, we got a guest on the line with us, uh, Dustin Rifkin, uh, Wisconsin native, but he is now in Wyoming and, uh, is hanging out with us tonight on the show. What's up, Dustin? How are we doing? Excited to be on the podcast with you guys. Yeah, we're happy to have you, man. We're happy to talk to anybody. I mean, otherwise I just talk to this guy over here. So, you know, you just got to look into my eyes all the time and <laughs> talk sweet to me. That we got, keep it weird here. Yeah. That got weird quick, didn't it? Mm-hmm what we do anyway dustin so hopefully you're not squirming in your seat too bad no i'm i'm excited i like to keep it weird myself we're, <laughs> we're on board that's great well tell the audience maybe just a, a little bit about yourself who you are um what you do and all that good stuff and then we'll kind of we have a topic that we're going to get into tonight i'm excited to talk to you about it for sure well you know hunting has run pretty deep in in my life i grew up a Jew in the suburbs of Milwaukee, so um, never even knew about hunting, or it wasn't even a thing for me pretty much my entire life, and um, I used to take trips out to southwest Wisconsin by Richland Center and be immersed in deer culture and deer woods, but uh, it wasn't the cool thing growing up, and I've always had a passion for the outdoors and nature, and I've always loved wildlife, and uh, eventually it got to the point where I decided to move out West after I finished my master so I could pursue my love for wildlife. And eventually I found that when you really like guns and you love wildlife and you love to explore the backcountry and go off trail, that there's actually a sport that involves all that. And so it wasn't until I was in my late, you know, early twenties that I discovered I was kind of meant to be a hunter and I did my undergrad in Colorado and never hunted because I was too busy in college doing what college people do. So I missed out on that opportunity. And it wasn't until I got out here to Wyoming um, with all the wildlife we have out here that I kind of found out that I was meant to be a hunter. So, you know, as for work, I'm a mental health therapist. I do trauma therapy and counseling with kids. 
and hunting kind of has taken over my life where I live in a spot where I could hunt and think about hunting all the time now. You're that, one of that us. That morph happened pretty quick. You're one of us now. You can't cool. turn it off, can you? Yeah. No, it's, there is no off season. It's crazy how much it consumes. And I'm only a whitetail guy and it consumes me. Like I can't keep my eyes on the road because I'm looking at fields all the time and always thinking about strategies. And now Greg's here showing me pictures of deer on trail cams and we're getting all jacked up. It's just, yeah, my wife's like, hey, can I t-? I'm like, hey, can I tell you something? She goes, is it about deer? I'm like, yeah, I mean, what else am I going to talk about? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And my wife actually kind of gets a kick out of it because, you know, we're allowed to, to shine deer here at night. So she, she gets a kick out of that. We'll go you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night and go till 1, 2 in the morning and drive around all the public areas out by me and and just see the animals doing what they do at night. And she just loves it. That's good stuff. So, okay, you, you grew up in, you said, like Milwaukee County. You even went to school yep. in Colorado. And uh, so you got a taste of nature. So it sounds like your path in, I, I'm interested in talking about this because I'm part of, um, some other networks and communities where, you know, we're looking at the R3 movement, which stands for uh, recruit, reactivate and retain. And that's talking about the hunting population. Our numbers as a community have been on the decline for a number of years, people getting out of the space for various reasons. And it's hard to get people into the space. Um, you know, fishing is a bit of a gateway drug to hunting in some cases, uh, hiking and camping is another one. And, uh, you know, I'm really curious to hear for someone who didn't have, like for me, my dad got me into it. Greg, who got you into hunting? Well, that was definitely dad and his good friend and my uncle as well. So both sides of my family had some hunting heritage, you know, just what happened on my mom's side was grandpa, grandpa and great grandpa loved to hunt and fish. And then my uncles did on my mom's side and then my dad's side, dad, Dad and one one or two of my uncles liked to fish a lot, and then Dad and my one uncle did get into hunting quite a bit. So that that was it. That was it for me. I mean, that's the common theme that you hear is there's usually a grandpa, an uncle, or uh, you know, father or a buddy. Even in some cases, that kind of get you into into that. And without that, it's a pretty big leap for folks to make, especially later on in life. So I think your story and journey into hunting is. I'm curious to hear how it went. I don't know it yet. And uh, that's what we're looking for you to share with us today. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a pretty passionate person. When I set my mind on doing something, um, it's really hard to get me to stop. And so what happened with me and my story is we used to go out to that place in Richland Center. And there was other family members that would go there and they would always talk about turkey hunting out there. And I convinced my dad one time to go out turkey hunting with them just like one day i'm talking no camo uh a shotgun that my dad got from a co-worker that he helped trade some stocks with as a reward he got a shotgun and so did my hunter safety when i was 13 and i convinced them to take me on a turkey hunt because we always saw turkeys over there um little did i know turkey hunting out west in richland center was some of these old timers involved, you know, my question to my dad is, dad, why is uncle Henry cracking a beer at 5, 5 a.m. in the morning <laughs> um, before turkey hunting and uh, just, you know, being in the woods. So we went out, we sat there, we didn't see anything, we didn't hear anything. 
we took naps and passed out in the afternoon woods. And, you know, my dad was pretty like, I'm sorry, we didn't see anything. And I'm walking away thinking, we got to do this again. That Dude, who cares? Yeah. Ever. And what caught me was, how often do you get to wake up in the woods at dark, watch the sunrise, watch things come alive, and you're a shadow in the woods. It's the one time a human could kind of disappear a little bit and see what happens undisturbed. And I really love that. We, I come from a background of liking the outdoors, taking skiing trips to Colorado. And so the fact that I was in the outdoors, but I had a purpose, an exciting thing to go do kind of got me started. So then from there, you know, I planned and convinced them to do another hunt. And this time we had camo. And it got to the point where actually um, one time I was old enough where I, you know, trusted to go out on my own to my own spot. And he went his other way. And I actually saw a turkey that came by me. And I was so scared and frozen stiff that I was squeezing the trigger and nothing was happening because the safety was on. And by the time I got the safety off and I realized like what in the world was going on, the deer just kind of slow or the deer, the turkey just slowly kept on walking away. And it was one of those classic, like you just don't believe it happens, frozen stiff moments where it's like, oh my God, what do you do when the turkey is actually right here? I really got to shoot this thing. And I was just more amazed at everything kind of coming together. But the cool part was my dad actually got a turkey that same afternoon. And so that was our first, his first time ever hunting something, getting something. And I just remember we stand, we stood and ate that turkey because it was so good and we were so excited about it. We couldn't even sit down to eat it. And just watching that whole process unfold was so cool. And that's what it took to get me interested in it. And so for, from there, I was interested in turkey hunting. I'd go maybe once a year up there, spend a couple of days. And it got to the point where in college, when I would come home, after I graduated from Colorado State, my undergrad, um, before I moved out west, the last thing I did was I asked this family friend if I can go out there for a week in May when school ended and hunt turkeys as kind of my last send off before um, coming out west. So it always stuck with me. But unfortunately, I had what I think a lot of people have in their life, which is this imaginary barrier that they can't do something. So while turkeys was something that was manageable, it was always like I could hunt turkeys, but I'll never like deers. That's too much or that's too big of an endeavor to tackle. Like, and it kind of just, unfortunately, did it wasn't even an option. It wasn't like I should I deer hunt. It was like, I can't. I don't know anyone. I don't have anyone. I'm out west now. I don't turkey hunt. So it just kind of faded. I've always, you know, oh, maybe when I'll go back home, I could hunt turkeys. Um, but that dream and, you know, just kind of wasn't there. Um, but then when I moved out West, uh, I, I love backpacking. I'm a backpacker at heart and I'm kind of uh, a pretty good risk taker. So I find myself off trail a lot, hiking to undiscovered basins. I love seeing new country. I love seeing, you know, in Yellowstone, how far away from the road I can get, whether it's 16, 18 miles, 
in the thoroughfare or wherever it is. And I just loved seeing wildlife. And I just loved knowing that I'm roaming the same woods that a grizzly bear is roaming. Um, I got, I always had a knack for wildlife and seeking them out. It's kind of what's attracted me to the outdoors. And so then I'm like, wait, I learned I could just get a deer tag over the counter in Wyoming. Like I could just go to a store, buy a general tag and start hunting. And it literally happened like most things happen in my life over the weekend. It was like, man, you know what? Um, It was hunting season. People are hunting. And I'm like, man, I'd sure like to do that. I'm hearing about everyone doing it. And then I was like, wait, I could do that. And all I have to do is go into the store and get a general deer or elk tag and go out. And so, um, you know, getting a tag is one thing. I had to pull up YouTube and type in how to gut a deer, how to field dress a deer, because I had no idea what I was doing. I had no mentor. I had no friends that were interested in it. Um, but I had this passion and kind of this new surge of energy that was like, I'm going to go do this. I was becoming a pretty good backpacker. I was exploring far. I was seeing wildlife and I'm like, I'm going to go do this. Um, and so a funny little story is my first ever time elk hunting. I get up at three in the morning and I go hike in a couple miles. And all of a sudden I see this dark shadow as sun's coming up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is easy. I think I'm seeing an elk right now. And as I was getting ready, not to shoot, just like, you know, getting ready to see what this is. And it turns out I camped right next to an outfitter and I was staring at a horse in the shadows. <laughs> and, that's great, dude. And I mean, so that's a I big was animal. All excited at night and it turns out as light came, it was just a horse I was looking at. And I realized that there was like an outfitter camp right next to me. So <laughs> I was like, all right. Well, I mean, that's pretty impressive, though. You picked a spot that an outfitter picked. You know, yeah. I would say that means you're on the right track. For a minute there, you were Don Quixote yeah. ready to slay a, a windmill for Pete's sake. Right. But it was that beginner mindset where I was like, oh, I guess I can't hunt here. Someone's hunting here. There's an outfitter. I'm not supposed to. I'm not allowed to. They're going to get the animal, not me. So I actually hiked back to the car and I was like, this is stupid. And that was my first afternoon elk hunting. And so that year I didn't get anything. Obviously, I went out a couple times that classic, like go out for the afternoon and think you're going to shoot an elk where I didn't realize it really doesn't work like that. Um, or it does for some people, <laughs> but not constantly. So uh, that was my first year. And eventually I started backpacking with an idea of, I wonder if this is a good deer spot. I wonder if this is a good elk spot. And I would start getting up in the morning because I always had that passion for waking up with the sun. I kind of have a joke with myself where you know i'm racing the sun like who's going to win this morning am i going to beat the sun up or is is it going to win and i still do that uh, in the mornings um and i would just love waking up with the sun having coffee and seeing the wildlife and i would talk to people and and i'd show them a picture of like a buck a mule deer an elk i saw and they'd be like where'd you see that and i'd be like why like you know that's like a once in a lifetime buck and i'm like oh really Oh, yeah. No, I've been watching him for a couple of days when I was backpacking. And I started to realize that I actually knew some spots um, just from backpacking. And so I started to go back there. And my first ever time I shot a doe, a mule deer doe, and gutted it myself. 
And after watching the YouTube video, it was a pretty messy job, but got it done and ended up being a six mile pack out. I thought I could just pack it all out at night in one trip. Got caught off trail, had a camp without any of my gear because I left it, used a space blanket to stay warm. Coyotes were coming in and I had to scare them off as they were like, you know, 15, 20 yards away from me as I had a backpack full of meat started a fire and stayed up all night because I was freezing cold with no sleeping bag and animals coming in and packed out the deer and I was hooked. <laughs> Dude, that's like, adventure first itself. of all, I got to say on the YouTube front, so my dad did teach me how to go to deer, but I don't remember any of it. Like, I was like, shit, this is like a year ago. I've watched him do it. I didn't really do yeah. it myself. So then like the next time I finally got a deer... I sniped a doe with my rifle at like 95 yards through, you know, the thick traditional Wisconsin timber. And uh, I had a couple of buddies with me and they're like, they had no idea. It was their first time hunting. It's the first time I ever brought anybody yeah. with me. And so here we are, three dipshits. And I pull my phone and I'm, I open a YouTube video and I call my dad. I'm like, you got to come help me. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I just don't know. And, uh, <laughs> and sure enough, I got, he gets there and he's like, what are you doing watching YouTube? I'm like, I'm trying to teach myself. You know, I got pretty far here. I just, now I got to figure out how to get the yeah. rest of the stuff out and, and watching YouTube in the middle of the, in the woods. middle of the woods. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to gut a deer for the first that's, time on my own. That's hilarious. My goal was yeah. I would have a gut by the time yeah. he showed up and be like, ha, I didn't need your help after all, but it didn't go that way. <laughs> no, that's one of those things you can look at someone and tell if they've ever gutted a deer before you were probably covered head to toe in blood and parts <laughs> all over the place. And it's like, yep, you sure gutted it. <laughs> what are you doing watching? Yeah. YouTube? It's like, so funny. To teach myself, you know, Sorry, I got I pretty far. You're just, Anyway, um, man, that's cool. So, and then like coyotes are coming in, you're by yourself. You're, are you at one, at some point, are you wondering like, what the hell was I thinking? Or are you just like so jacked on adrenaline that you're like, this is the best moment ever. I was jacked on adrenaline until the sun set. And then what the hell was I thinking kicked in because back, so I'm still a backpacker at heart where I'm like, I'm going to take a shortcut. Taking a shortcut with a backpack and a headlamp is one thing. Taking a shortcut while packing out a full animal and realizing that walking uphill is not possible is a completely different thing. And so once I realized I tried taking a shortcut that in, uh, involved an uh, uphill climb that I was unable to do at 10 o'clock at night after a long day, I was kind of like, this isn't good because... I knew I was in grizzly country. I see grizzly bears pretty frequently, black bears. You know, I'm not too worried about mountain lions or wolves or anything or coyotes, but I just knew this isn't a good situation. I have a backpack full of meat. I can't hang it in a tree because it's too heavy, and I just didn't know what I was doing at the time. I'm exhausted. I have no gear. Thankfully, I had a space blanket. So I was scared for sure. It was a cool moment like i would get it got real quick of like i it got real quick and i would have glimpses of like i did it and then i'd also have glimpses of you know like you really don't know what you're doing and you're you're too ignorant to know what you should be scared of right now <laughs> well and you're literally not out of the woods yet right figure of speech but in this case quite a literal sense like oh yeah i got this but i'm literally not out of the woods just yet yeah you know i didn't know how you know, in my mind, and it, it's taken me years to not, and I still, my friends know me, I freak out about getting that meat 
cold on yeah, ice I would do. and at the butcher. And so in my mind, I'm like, great. Now this deer has got to sit, you know, I don't know if it's good still. And I don't know, like I have to hike those six miles out the next morning, drive a couple hours. Don't know, don't even know how, who a butcher is or how I even do that process. Forgot to look into where I even take the thing. Oh, you're so, just darn excited to go out and do your thing. I yeah, like that you leap before you look. That's a, how I am with uh, things. That's a, it's one sure shit way to learn. I mean, it's called like what I would call like snake bit training. You just jump right in. For sure. And that's, you know, that's continues to be how my hunting careers go. I, you know, I talk with my girlfriend about this. I've never had a mentor. I've never had someone show me how to backpack. Even everything has been on my own. So I'll go with people who know what they're doing. Um, or like a friend and they're like, why are you doing it this way? It's like, this is how I've gone by. Or it's like, huh, I never knew that. I almost like joke with myself. I'm like a caveman learning how to do it on my own and trying to figure it out for my first time. But I, my passion and my relentless, you know, attitude for getting it done kind of carries me through my ugly way of doing things sometimes. So you you gateway in through turkey hunting and and just like an affinity for loving the outdoors and nature and chasing that sunset and that horizon, and then you took a pretty big leap into elk hunting. What what elk have you done? Other hunts now that you've been out there for a while and you've continued to self teach or? Oh yeah. Now it's I mean I'm in I'm in stage four. It's full blown bad right now. I'm a guide. I spring bear hunt so you're a guide now you you initially i'm a a hunting guy you initially had (laughs) posted up camp next to a guy not knowing so thinking man this is too now now you're one of those people to make the story even crazier i'm a guide in the same area where i first uh, elk hunted and ran into that outfitter it's not that outfitter but i guide enough with the permit in that same area now that's so cool how many guides have you done now or before we hear how many uh, guided hunts Dustin has done and get into all that whole topic, it's time to get into the shot of the week. All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Head on over to VectorCustomShop.com. And if you find some arrows that you want to give a try, uh, enter in code where the number two, the word hunt for 10% off. You can start with a test pack of two arrows. You can do half a dozen. You can do a full dozen. You start with the two. You can work your way up from there based on how you get that thing fine tuned through paper tuning, etc. Uh, but these arrows are custom built to your specs. So depending on how you hunt, what you hunt with, what game you hunt, etc. They're going to capture all that information from you and they're going to build arrows for you and they're going to arrive at your doorstep so pretty sweet deal again head on over to vectorcustomshop.com enter in code where the number two the word hunt for 10 percent off let's get into our shot of the week story this week all right guys deers and beers coming at you for shot of the week let me set the scene for you it's michigan gun season day number two i'm sitting in my go-to blind in the morning i see a couple does come walking by my eyes perk up my heart rate starts going it's real early in the morning i'm thinking here we go 
that buck's going to be right behind one of them and he wasn't they kind of walked off and i didn't see shit for like a couple hours it's now like 9 45 i'm thinking well this sucks i decided to reach into my old bag of tricks and i play fred bear by ted nugent and i shit you not five minutes later i look over to the right and out of the pine trees 150 yards away all i see is horns walking through the field i get my gun up i'm trying to get him in the scope and he stops behind this tree this tree is probably 50 yards from me and then the deer's another 100 yards beyond that and it's a pretty thick tree it's like a big bush and i don't have much of a window and he's just kind of out there grazing over in this uh you know thick thicket area and um, but there's about the size of a balloon of a window through this tree and he's just a couple steps from it but he's not moving and he stays in one spot for about five minutes he finally decides to move forward into this window and stops again hammer back safety off bam i take the shot total chaos i have no idea what's going on my ears are ringing you know the smell of gunpowder is everywhere and he i think i drop him next thing you know i see his head perk up and he's looking around i'm thinking oh you idiot you spined him and he starts rolling around thrashing and kind of goes up over this uh kind of rolls down this little hill and i can't see him anymore so i'm thinking well he probably ran off or or he's still alive and i gotta go finish him off so i get out of my blind wait a couple minutes have a couple beers to steady my nerves and i go walking over there and i come up over the crest of this hill and all i see is antlers laying down in the weeds he's dead I finally got myself a nice buck. Uh, cool part of the story is I shot him with a 30-30, and it went through one shoulder and out the other, but didn't pierce the skin. So I could feel the bullet just inside the skin, but on the you know through the shoulder. So I was gutting him. I was able to get the bullet back out. I actually got it in my hand right now, looking at my deer. I'll send you guys a photo of it. Um, but that was my story. You know, sometimes all you need is just that little window, and if if you can squeeze it through. You know, go ahead and take the shot. Um, so keep your beers cold and shoot straight. If you haven't heard of Deers and Beers Instagram page, we're going to recommend that you go check that out and crack, crack open a cold one when you do. Let's get back into our interview with Dustin. So la- this was, last year was actually my first year doing it. And so this will be my second year. And last year I just did elk. And this year I'm doing antelope, uh, mule deer, white-tailed deer, and elk. Awesome. Wow. What a journey. So like, you know, we're not going to get any detail, but you know, I've had some conversations with your dad and that's how we met. And, um, he's like, you got to talk to my son. You just got, you just got to talk to him. He went from nothing to like, no, never hunting ever to hunting everything and guiding. I'm like, what? That's crazy. And you and I had talked, I think I was cooking on my grill at the time. I don't know what I was doing. And I was like, we're going to get you on the show. I'm glad we did. Yeah. Yeah. It's full blown now, you know, to the point where this, I passed up, you know, bears with my rifle and now, cause I've taken two, you know, I'm pretty impressed with them. And that's talk about a pack out a full bear and all my gear was one of my pack outs two years ago, but now I'm, you know, I'm really becoming more of an archery hunter and I wanted to get it done with a bow this year, uh, spring bear. I actually um, you know, bow hunted an elk last year and got a six point with my bow. And that was a seven miles back. So talk to me the episode for that story. Put it this way. I just went last weekend and recovered my gear because when I went back to get my gear, there was a grizzly bear and a cub sitting on top of the carcass. And I was in the thick timber. So I was 20 yards from it before I realized I was joking with my buddy because we saw a black bear um, on the hillside. I'm like, 
huh, wonder what scared that guy off. Cause that's, <laughs> it was right where my kill, the kill site was. Yeah. And so I go, we go up to, we're in the thick timber. And by the time I got 20 yards away, there's a big sound, a cub just panting on top of it yep. and all my gear. So we had to back out and I couldn't get my gear. And it was kind of, my buddy's like, yeah, I'm not going to stand here with you while you try and scare off a sow so you can get your gear. So we decided to back out and <laughs> didn't get my gear, but that was seven miles there and back. It ended up being, you know, four trips. It was like close to a 60 mile, 80 pound, 110 pound. We weighed my packs one time on the way out, 110 pound packs, pack out. It was an over 60 mile endeavor to get that elk out through thunderstorms and rain and mud um, and the thick timber. So uh, it's, it's been a long journey. Uh, that just culminated from... just now? Huh? You just wrapped all that up just now, basically? It sounds like it's pretty I fresh. I just wrapped up. So when I went back to get my gear, I had a, I had left it because it was still hunting season. I got my elk last year opening weekend with my bow. But then, you know, you're, like you were talking about before, I still got, a, I got three antelope tags, a mule deer tag, um, and a cow elk tag. So I can't just take a weekend to go get my gear. I'm, I want to go chase some more game. I've been waiting all year for this. So by the time hunting season's over, there's snow on the ground. Now I can't go get my gear. Sure. So I had to wait till the snow melted and actually, and then the snow's not melting in this, it's a North facing dark timber spot. Um, so that snow's not melting till June out here, July. Now it's backpacking season. So I just finally had a weekend. Well, first I went to go with my girlfriend and the mosquitoes were so bad. We actually had to turn back. So it took me three tries just this last weekend was the third try. Um, and I finally recovered all my gear. I even have one of my puffies survived. It's drying out right now. I washed it and um, my Kindle works. It has a bite mark <laughs> in the to- in the Kindle and it's set on the ground in the snow all year round and it works. And uh, so I just recovered my gear this past weekend before going out scouting for mule deer. Wow. And while I was out there, I set up a trail cam to check out the area and look at some elk and mule deer that were in the area because I'm starting to scout right now. What kind of trail cam are you running? Are you doing like a cell cam kind of thing where you can get pinged or are you going to hoof it back out there to take a look at the SD card? Yeah, I'll, I'll hoof it back up there. It's just um, a Browning Apex, I think it's called. Um, just, you know, something I can afford and go through oh, in yeah. the woods. And... Oh, yeah. Man, that is... The mosquito thing, I would have turned back to you, I think. I'm a, I'm a pansy yeah, when it comes to those damn you know, devil bugs. Back, I, I said, you know, I'm going to go. And she's like, I want to come with because a friend of hers did a big hike the day before. So she wants to show she could do a big hike too because <laughs> it was like 14 miles round trip. Oh, wow. And, I, and in my head, I'm like, I know how this goes. But <laughs> you're showing interest in hunting and going to get gear. How am I going to say no to that? So let's go do it. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> That was unsuccessful. If it wasn't for her, would you have pressed on, or were they that terrible? Oh my God! They're, so they, you know, they weren't they weren't that terrible. Bugs get incredibly bad out here, Wisconsin. They get bad. Um, we go through some periods, but she, I've made fun of her for a while. She says she's allergic, and I say, yeah, we all are. That's what a mosquito bite is, you know. And <laughs> but she actually gets some pretty serious hives and welts. 
and it is pretty uh, insane what happens to her when she gets bit. And I have like nothing and I don't itch. So I gave her a hard time about it, but she does have a pretty serious reaction to them. My, I just learned my, I have a, a going to be three-year-old and my daughter and I shared a post earlier. Well, I think it was like last weekend on our story. My daughter got a mosquito bite on her face and she looked like someone punched her in the eye. And yeah. the mosquito was the size, I took a picture of it. It was the size of a dime. And so my mother-in-law reached out to the Wisconsin uh, UW-Madison, whoever, like whatever department handles like ecology or whatever the hell it is, and or entomology, um, the insect diagnostic lab saying, what is this mutant mosquito? And it's called a galniper <laughs> mosquito. It's the largest species of mosquito in the state. And we have them in our freaking backyard. It's terrifying. Oh, man. And my daughter is like insanely yeah. allergic. Like she's got a bite on her hand that puffed up. She's got a bite on her knee. I'm like, geez. I don't have that problem, but I, I do have a hate for them. So I just have to take my time to talk about how much I hate mosquitoes. Any chance I get every episode. They are, yep. I'm, I'm a trauma therapist. And so I do a lot of mindfulness and I consider mosquitoes the ultimate mindfulness test in the woods. I can't uh, do it. Because dude. They will... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you want to have to put together an crazy. exercise regimen to get them out of his head point. I would be I'm like the crabbiest human being in the world around. We need you to you can't even that. imagine what it's like. There's only we two need people that have experienced that it this year because where we're hunting, you need to stay focused. Yeah. I'm gonna spray all of my outer layers with the Promethean, whatever that stuff's called. I'm saying it wrong. And then I'm gonna bring like Promethean. The Promethean. And then I'm gonna bring like three thermocells. That's probably more for ticks than it is for mosquitoes. I don't know. But it says it's I a nerve agent. Just... If they land on it, they die. I'm just happy to kill the little bastards. There you go. You're gonna have a combat See, you belt full get to of the point where you're not even trying to kill them. You just blow them away because you're not gonna let them give you your anger. Right. It's not worth giving the mosquito your anger. Oh, until they buzz in your ear. My buddy. We went to the Boundary Water Canoe area. We have four guys, right, in total. One of them, my buddy Shane, I, maybe he has what you have. He just don't give a shit about the mosquitoes. So, you know, it's like the certain time of day, like the clock strokes one second, and it goes from nothing to get in the tent. The bugs are out. We're like dive bombing and grabbing our gear. It's out of control. Like we just finished scarfing some fish. And then he's like, oh, no. I forgot whatever outside of the tent. So he goes out to get it and he can't like get his way back in the tent, but he's just laughing. And it, there's like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of mosquitoes swarming him. We're like, get in the tent. He's like, you guys, I don't really see what the big deal is. <laughs> We're like, what is wrong with you? Oh my. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, That's no, I wish I had that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a whole episode. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad this weekend. It's frustrating. I do think when they buzz by my ears, that's the worst. That's by far the worst. But, man, you got to do it. This weekend they were terrible, but it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, (laughs) Love being out there, hate them. Yeah, and you just got to deal with them. Um, That's quite the trek, though, man. Like, I ran six and a half miles a week ago, and it took me about an hour and that was on a smooth bike path, you know, on flat land. What is a 14 mile round trip trek look like through freaking backcountry? It, it is, it's 
rough. You know, I have a motto that the pack out is one of my favorite parts because that struggle and that pain and suffering is when I do some of my best thinking in terms of why I hunt. I'm really big into the philosophy of hunting and there is no better time to question. I mean, it's forced. I don't even have to ask. The question just <laughs> perpetuates through your head of why do I do this? It is, I'm exhausted. I'm not, like, it's killing me. I could be, you know, this is my vacation. I always joke with myself, you know, we're talking mosquitoes, all this, this is what we're choosing to do with our time off when other people are sitting on the beach drinking a Mai Tai and we find ourselves out in the woods carrying a hundred pound pack through thunderstorms and rain. So I love the grind. I, I think it's my backpacker in me. I love pushing myself. I love figuring out what I'm made of. I love going where no one wants to go and hunting where no one wants to hunt. I used to have a rule when I started, like I would not even load my rifle or bow until I was five miles in the back country. Like I, I passed up game before then because I, I love the process of it. And while that grind sucks, it's kind of like when you find yourself when it's raining and you're just sitting at one point, you just sit down and you start laughing, like, who cares? You know, like it doesn't matter at this point. It's, it's really a pretty cool process. The pack out. I mean, it sucks. I say that now sitting here in a nice house, mm -hmm. I, it sucks and it's painful, but um, I, I have had some cool thoughts while doing it. And in a spiritual way, it's my way of paying respect for the animal. Cause while it sucks to pack it out, it really sucks to be a dead elk. And so <laughs> that's, that's kind of like my, uh, sacrifice, you know, if you will, to the elk is grinding out that pack out. Um, yeah, you got to embrace and enjoy the suck because exactly you, you just got a There's whole a lot of bunch of hunting. <laughs> yep. that's, that's what's indelible, you know. You just got a whole bunch of meat that you're bringing home that you get to share with your family and friends, and it's quality For meat. Sure. Elk meat is really good. You know, in, on the business side of things, you know, I follow Gary Vaynerchuk. He talks about loving the process, um, you know, and I, I read, you know, I, for a while I was reading about a book a week and I read, you know, um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. He talks about, you know, how he finds a lot of joy in suffering and beating the shit out of himself to some degree. I do too, you know, and like the harder you suffer, the more fulfillment you get out of things, whether that's, you know, maybe work or the physical stuff. Um, I find that... You're, you're like really, um, the harder it is, the more impactful and memorable it is. It's like no kid ever recited a memory from a freaking POV shooter video game. But yeah, exactly. we hope not. You suffer through some shit physically and it is terrible in the moment. You're like, you're right. You're talking about the things that are just like, why am I doing this? But then hindsight, when you're back in that comfy house and you're showered and you're clean, you're good. You're like, man, that was dude, we did that. You know, I slipped in that mud Absolutely. and face planted and that was, we laughed, but it was terrible, but we got it out and look at the food I'm eating right now. That, that's something, you yeah. know, that that's, that's missing from society a little bit these days. I'm really happy that you found a way to that world, uh, not having come from it. Well, David Goggins is one of my, uh, someone I look up to. He's a role model. I listen to his podcast when I, workout or just like YouTube videos, pull up motivation. I've read his book too. 
Um, and I, I really do. I look for the pain and suffering. I enjoy it. And I, I just want to go where no one wants to go and do what no one wants to do. The lamest thing for me is like a hunt where it's a guarantee where somebody says, Hey, come here, let me show you this deer. Um, and it's like, I want to work. I want to go through the process because that that's the part that I'm really looking for. I joke with people. I love, you know, what I like about guiding when I love taking people out is, Sure, they're just, let them be a trigger man. But the hard part of the work is finding the deer. How do I get close? The scouting early season, the knowing that we have to approach from the backside and a go around because of the wind. Like that's the stuff I like. And I've come to learn what I one of the things I most like about hunting is just knowing where they are. I love it's like that onyx, like. You know, the equivalent is just loving marking on Onyx where you've seen all these. I just like love knowing where these animals are. And and that comes from, you know, I'm not a hunter by blood in terms of being raised by it. I'm a someone who just loves wildlife. And that's a hard concept for a lot of people to get. Like, of course, the classic response is if you love wildlife so much, how come you kill them? And, you know, I just love I'm so passionate about knowing where they're at, where the big guys go, what their habits are. And that's what I love. And I like doing that in the complete wilderness far away where the animals behave wild. They're not behaving as much off pressure. They're not behaving, you know, um, close to roads. They're, they're just operating as they're as pure form as you can. And being a part of that, is my journey of stepping back into time because I feel like I was born in the wrong time period and I'm just not a big fan of the way society and our culture is headed right now. And that's my little escape back into being a native American Roman wild country, never seen before and hunting um, and kind of living a life that I could just feel in my soul was uh, the way it was meant to be for me. It's a nice lifestyle. How do you answer that question, by the way, when you get asked? Yeah, it's so, you know, it's a question that I say, I love elk, I love deer, and I love this wildlife. And me taking a single individual's animal's life um, is a sacrifice that, you know, I recognize I'm a human being that needs food to eat. And if I'm going to eat, I want to be part of that process and I want to be as connected as possible to that. And I fully understand that an animal is going to have to die and, and sacrifice that. And a, a part of that for me is being there every step of the way and being a part of that process and seeing them and grinding myself. And so I, I, I could say that because I need to eat and because um, I'm choosing to eat and being connected to my food, I, I really feel if like mother nature herself came and talked to me, she would say, this is how I would want you to obtain your food, you know, and I would want you to go out, search for it, be connected to it, know it, spend nights in the rain with it <laughs> and bring it home and share and be that connected to it. The connected um, the reality part is, is we thing. need to, to eat. Yeah. Right. But the connected part is a big deal. I mean, there's so many, so I have a friend, um, you know, I was in an incubator earlier this year for the app that we have. And, uh, you know, I, as a result, I interviewed you know, 
more people that I was maybe even comfortable doing, even that's saying a lot for me. Um, I talked about that R3 movement earlier on. And so I was trying to get a feel for people that, uh, people that haven't been exposed to, to hunting and, uh, that might be getting into it. So I identified a friend that was like never a hunter and went through like, you know, vegetarianism, veganism. Um, I don't even know if that's the right way to say those things and, and just explored a lot of different options with dietary needs. And he had found that like his body, he really, uh, I read the book called the bulletproof diet by Dave Asprey who really fine tuned his body and his diet and, and like in a way that I think uh, acquires a lot of discipline that most folks don't seem to have, which is fine. This guy's a very extreme person. It took him 12 years to develop a brand of coffee by traveling to all these crazy remote places. But in any event, um, this friend kind of portrayed a very similar approach and said, you know, I found myself standing at the grocery store looking at all this meat and I had no idea where it came from. Not only that, my body didn't respond well to the vegan diet. He said, so, you know, I gave it a shot and I did it through and through. I, I followed everything. I, you know, I crossed my T's, dotted my I's, and it wasn't what my body wanted. And so I really craved this meat, but I couldn't, I, I was adopting this philosophy of like, I really want to know where it came from. And so then I started exploring like, well, maybe I should learn how to hunt. And so then he started doing archery uh, practice and, and he took up archery classes and he bought a bow. And I was asking, this is how I learned about him. He's asking me a question, Eric, you run this podcast, you do hunting. Like, what do I need to know? And now he fell in love with the process of hunting and connecting with his food and providing for his family. And I was like, wow, what a great story, you know, to be connected with your food and not just go to a grocery store, wander down the aisle and pick up this meat that... I don't, it probably came from a farm, right? But which one? How did it get here? Was it Bessie or was it uh, Agnes? You know, like. <laughs> um, and you you kind of hit it on the head. And that, that's what I love us as hunters and, you know, this debate to go. I really get frustrated when we talk about who's more righteous, who's better, the hunter or the vegan. And I think we need to stop that conversation and start saying and focusing on how connected are you to your food? Because there's all these, you know, we can look at people who are vegan. Well, great. So they're killing the rainforest, the plant, you know, olive oil trees, and that's okay. And you have no idea you're supporting big Cisco and that, you know, all the pollution and deforestation and huge tracts of land, like, and you could eat Oreos and Fritos and be a vegan and that's more ethical. So, you know, it's like just that we get that label like, oh, vegan, that means you're better or oh, hunter, that means you're better. And I think for me, the conversation is how connected are you to your food? How close are you to the source of it? So, you know, a step for me is I want to start, you know, ha I have a little garden and being connected to the vegetables and knowing where that came from, buying from a, a little farmer's market where I meet the people. And so I just think that the conversation isn't, are you a vegan or are you a hunter? It's how connected and close are you to the source of where that food came from? And I think that is the more, you know, meaningful way of looking at that argument. Because we all know people who go to the grocery store and get all their food. And it's like, you have no idea where that came from. And so I'm connected to these animals. They you know, everyone knows about them. I share them with people. I talk about them. They they really do become a part of me. So 
I justify hunting by looking at people and saying, I promise you that I spend more time, think about these animals, value them, respect them, look at ways to help them volunteer to backcountries, uh, associations, meal deer foundations, and go and support to make sure that these animals thrive and live on. And for you to do nothing and sit on your couch and because you're eating a bag of Fritos and lettuce to get the grocery store, call yourself more ethical than me, you know, is like, that's, that's just, I answer to someone greater than that. And that's what I believe is in the best interest of our planet and mother nature and earth. And re- really, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, what that deer wants. And I really think that deer would say, chase me all day long, buddy. Give me your best shot. I'll be <laughs> hiding. I'll be. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's science done on the chase too. Like from a predator, from a predation standpoint, you get me more power to you. Yep. And, that that's the game that we're doing. And I, I could live with myself knowing that. And I also respect people who do it a different way. And I just want to, and that this statement was saying, I think I find myself more aligned with the vegan than I do with a uh, non hunter meat eater. And I think we're, we're at polar opposites in some aspects, but if you make that line, a circle, you know, that spectrum of circle, we're closer to each other. If we could sort out, some of these key things we get hung up on and I have more in common with a vegan than I do with a non-meat eater. In fact, my girlfriend has been a vegan and she just switched to a vegetarian. Um, and I just have so much connection to people who are passionate about food and where it came from. Yeah, that's cool. I dig it. I know a vegan, um, I know a couple of them, but I know one that like will still eat venison because they know where it was sourced. And they know that it lived yep. a natural life and that's okay for them. But I know others that are like, no, no, I won't do that. So it's interesting where people draw those lines. I think it's uh, maybe not comparable to religion, but like if you're a true vegan, like, I don't know, the shoes that you're wearing technically came from an animal art. Like, like at some point you got to draw that line somewhere and it usually seems around, around diet. Um, so anyway, you know, I think this is probably a good point for you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, share your most memorable hunt with us. My most memorable hunt, um, that would have to be an elk hunt from probably three years ago. It was when I was just starting to really get my bearings and really get my feet under me in terms of this whole hunting thing. And I scouted the spot all spring. I had it all picked out and I hike in there after work and I go set up on this ridge line. And immediately I start hearing some cow calls and I just, my heart sank and I go, God damn it. There's some other freaking people in this spot. And um, so I'm kind of bummed and I'm listening to them. Then I start hearing a bunch of bugles and I go, okay, you cannot keep bugling every second. You guys like you're killing me. I, I like to climb high. I know I like to um, get to the highest point. I'm a big, guy that likes to go behind glass and just sit behind glass. I love glassing for animals. And so I'm up high listening to these cows and bugles down below me. I'm like, this is, you're killing me, man. And all of a sudden, um, I like, all right, whatever. I'm going to cow call just to almost like let this guy know I'm here or just see what happens. And I cow call a little bit. And 10 minutes later, this huge six point 
comes thrashing through the woods. I'm on this ridge where the backside is north facing timber and the front side below me is more open meadow. And all of a sudden this bull comes crashing through the timber right below me. And I wasn't able to get a shot on him, you know, by the time I, I wasn't ready, I was just totally caught off guard. And by the time I get ready, he takes off and then it clicked in my head. Holy shit. These are all elk. These are people. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in elk country right now. And so I run down the ridge and I get a glimpse of all these cows and I found this watering hole and I was, I found myself in the magic circle that everyone dreams about. The elk are going crazy. The bulls are starting to bugle from all over, locating off where they're at. Cows are running around. Their bull is thrashing the mud. And I was right on the edge of the timber watching all this. And I just was like, could not believe I was I was in that circle where it was going on. Elk were all around me, running by me. They didn't care about my smell as much. They would look at me and just keep doing it. It was just a frenzy. And I actually got within, there was a really big, probably 350 class bull elk 90 yards away. And I was really watching him and the six point, you know, raghorn six he was a fine six uh you know but he was in bow range and i actually drew my bow on him as elk are bugling everything's just going crazy and i actually decided to pass on him which if anyone knows me knows that that is my trademark move passing on animals and it's because i didn't want it to end I was like, I just want to do this again tomorrow. I want to see what happens in the morning. I, I was just so excited about where I was and what was going on. So I actually camped. I had my gear on me. I actually laid down in the little pocket of timber, camped where there was some fresh elk poop where the piss is still on the ground, stained. I rubbed myself in, in gear and poop and piss, set up my thermarest pad, and slept right there that night as elk were running and bugling all by me all night long doing their thing and um, woke up the next morning. They were still right around me and tried chasing them. They, they went up high and then I was right at the edge of the timber line before I had to be exposed. So I was just waiting there and this bull chased these elk. I was on the trail. They actually, he actually chased the cows out into me. I, they almost ran into me at the last second they saw me and they freaked out and veered off trail and ran away. And, you know, after that, the magic circle is called magic for a reason. I was dead in the woods, not really much going on, but just that whole experience of being in that scene when it was just like the dream that we all chase. It's, you know, that first high, that, that dream that you just wish for every year and to be a part of that in that circle um, and falling asleep to that was, was really special. So my most memorable hunt and I'm passing a, a six point and not shooting anything. That's cool, man. I don't know how you fell asleep in that, but <sighs> Greg and I are doing an elk hunt in 2021. We've been convinced by elk bros. If you haven't heard that podcast, go check those guys out. The blue collar elk podcast advised us we were going to initially do a gun hunt he's like no 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 
you don't understand. You have to go when they're in rut and go with your bows. Um, we're likely going to do an over-the-counter Colorado hunt, I think. Um, physically speaking, I'm trying to prep for that now all the way into next year. From a gear standpoint, we're trying to learn what we need to do, all that good stuff uh, over-the-counter. So I don't know we have to worry about like units and stuff. But hearing you talk about all this, just solidifies the fact that we need to be doing that. And the difference is, I think Greg knows his way around gutting an elk to some degree, more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be two of us. So, so. <laughs> well, I've been gutting deer since I was 10. I think I probably saw the first one gutted at the age of five. Um, and every chance that I could, when my dad would harvest a deer, and for a while he was pretty reliable, at least one or two a year, quite some time i i've been around my uh my share of deer being gutted and shoot the first deer i gutted was gut shot so oh yeah that stinks yeah Yeah, literally it stinks (laughs) yeah it's one of my favorite parts now i love processing a game in the field i just you hiking out all that meat uh, man like you gotta it's a lot of weight to carry it is. You yeah, do it in one probably, trip? You know, do you get all that meat in one pack? Well, an elk, I do, like I said, four trips. So I literally shot one, hiked seven miles back, dropped off my gear, woke up the next morning, hiked in seven, grabbed another 80, 100-pound pack, hiked back out, woke up the next morning, went back in, tried to get my gear, couldn't get my – got a bite to go with me because it's, it's really four – trips i mean there's some crazy guys could do it in less than that but when you're got that many miles um man it's pretty tough to carry anything over a hundred a hundred pound pack for me is my kind of limit seven miles off trail uphill through mud so it's yeah i mean you're talking two or three days after you get something before it's over and in my case i just i shot something last september and just finished cleaning up my gear last weekend so We didn't even hear your bear story, which I heard is pretty freaking epic. I think I saw some photos. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy bear story doubled up on bears out of a tree. And one was uh, when we went up to, I shot one out of a tree, big boar. And we went up to it. There was another black bear at the base of the tree. My buddy's like, he's not dead. I'm like, dude, he he was fairly new to hunting. I'm like, that's a different bear. That's a black bear. Mine was brown. I'm like, you got a tag, you shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, oh my God. And, you know, the bear ran away, but then he kept coming back. He was territorial. He was trying to kick this bear out the area and try starting to um, figure out what was going on. So he was confused why this other bear that he treed wasn't leaving, not knowing it's dead. And finally, when he came back around the third time, you know, we just left that bear and we sat and waited. I'm like, I know he's going to come again, man. He's came twice. And he came the third time, and um, we were able to take him. So we had two bears down in a matter of five, you know, ten minutes, and that happened pretty quick. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I don't know where the photos got sent to, but I did see some photos, and I was like, holy crap. It was insane to see that. I'm trying yeah. To see if I, here we that go. That was really, really cool. Unreal. Yeah, it's wild, dude. I mean, you're, you're that would just be a, pretty cool. I'm, how hard is it to get a, a bear tag by you for an out-of-stater? Those are some dandies. Um, I'm pretty sure um, it's 
I, I almost want to say over the counter. Yeah, um, see, in, not over the here in Wisconsin, it's uh-huh. for for a good unit, your seven years of of applying and and obtaining points to finally put your points down on a good unit, which really are you even yeah. in northern Wisconsin? In northern Wisconsin, I mean, there are some units, some lower units that you can probably go two or three years and apply your points, and you might get it. But yeah, it's it's nothing like out west. But you look at the size. You look at wow. the size of the land mass that we have to deal with here in our border, versus Wyoming, Montana, Montana. I know you and I can go over the counter. Mm-hmm. We can probably buy multiple tags in some units because they want people to come and shoot them. Yeah, Idaho. You could get up to three tags. I want to say in um, some of those units over the counter. Um, but Wisconsin, don't quote me. I think you guys have more black bears than we do. Uh, maybe. I mean, we've got more ag, and, you know, like the Shawano area in particular, it's overrun with a ton of bears because they have so much ag. I mean, bears will go in there and wipe out cornfields. Yeah. Yeah, it's just different in terms of hunting, you know. I guess you guys got, you know, public land and ability to hunt them. You know, we have to go wilderness national forest. So it's maybe the odds are lower. So we could have a bigger group of people hunting them and have lower success. And that's maybe more sustainable. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but dude, I mean, the, the stories that you've shared are pretty incredible. Your journey has been great. Your perspective is awesome. Your uh, drive for authentic adventure. Just thanks for being on the show. We appreciate a whole bunch. Um, you know, we'll get this thing produced tonight and in podcast land, we'll tag you and everything once it's done. Uh, do you get any, do you get any final thoughts for anybody listening and tuning in? We had a good uh, number of folks tune in through the live. Uh, a couple people are still hanging out. So. Yeah. You know, my final thoughts, I guess I would just say is if you're interested in it, if there's even a little part of you that is curious and just wants to like, man, that sounds cool. Um, just know that that invisible barrier that you're putting up that says you can't do it is invisible. And, you know, we hear all these people, even like David Goggins say, I'm a nobody. If I could do it. And you look at him like, Oh no, you're definitely a somebody. I could promise you I'm a nobody. And I could promise you if I could do it, um, anyone really can do it. And so if there's that part of you that is interested, find a way. And if you are interested and you want to do it, you could find a way. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. At the very least, you'll have an experience that you can um, talk about, like we all love to talk about whenever we're around our friends. Absolutely. Rock on. Well, Dustin, thanks again for being on the show. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. Um, We're going to go ahead and live feed. And everybody that tuned in, thanks for listening. We'll have this thing up and uh, done later on tonight. What's up, everybody? Anthony Heller here with DeerVane, and this week's tip of the week has to deal with scrapes. A lot of people think that deer scrapes are only active during the pre-rut and rut phases. Uh, That may be true for some scrapes, but many scrapes are actually active year-round, and if you put a trail camera on them, you'll actually find that to be true. Scrapes are just, in general, kind of like little beacons or homing 
uh, devices for deer to come in and check in with other deer. They come there, leave their scent, and let other deer know that they're in the area. So even during the summer, does, fawns, and bucks will hit specific scrapes. And when you find out what those scrapes are, uh, generally I like to call them community scrapes where all these different deer like to come in and they're active throughout the entire year. Whereas there are some scrapes that only open up in, you know, mid to late October and early November. That's a, that's a different story, a different type of scrape, but you can get a lot of great data and great information off those scrapes that are active year round. So if you ever come across them and you want to try to check that out, just drop a trail camera on it, see if it is active year round. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll find out some new information, some new data, some new bucks that are in the area. And uh, hopefully you can form a strategy around it and be a little bit more successful. So hope it helps. Hey, thanks, Anthony. That's a great tip. And if you haven't checked out DeerVane, go over to DeerVane.com and please subscribe to their YouTube channel for more practical tips. Uh, some of them spending in a much greater length than what you're going to hear in this show. And they also have their own podcast too. Uh, e Hunter is taking a break this week, I believe. So, uh, you know, I won't uh, do a big segment on their stuff, but please chat on over to ehunter.com. That's ehunter.com. And uh, take a look at their their news resource that they have, especially as we talk more about like elk hunting and backcountry hunting. They're a great resource. And I believe they still are looking for some writers and developers. So if you are interested, check those guys out. I would be remiss if I don't say that if you're hearing this before August 1st, uh, where to hunt, we're doing a giveaway. So we're going to announce the winner of our giveaway on August 1st, which is Saturday. And it ends on the 31st, which is Friday. We're just going to give away a bunch of where to hunt swag. We're going to give away a where to hunt uh, wood grain uh, tumbler. We're going to give away some stickers, a koozie. And if I get them in time, we're going to give away a, a vinyl decal for the back of your you know, window on your truck or your car, whatever it is you drive. So I think that's everything that I think we're giving away. Oh, and a hat, of course. And also a where to hunt hat. So we have a camouflage one, a gray one, and a couple others. So, um, you know, if you want to learn more about that, visit our Instagram page and there's a picture of like all of that stuff. And all you gotta do is tag two buddies in the comments, like our page and follow along and that'll get you entered to win. So there's quite a few entries. May the best person win. We're also doing our quarterly giveaway still. So for those that don't know, if you subscribe to our Patreon account <clears throat> or our membership, you are entered in to win a big giveaway. So we're going to do an announcement next week with some of the partners that are jumping on board to give products for that giveaway. Uh, one of the big ones that we have so far out of the gate is uh, some stuff from HHA. So we'll clarify exactly what that is and I'll leave the rest obscure for now. Uh, if you haven't given us a rating and review on iTunes yet, I know a lot of you have and we appreciate it a whole bunch. So thank you. And if you haven't, please do so. We like we like that feedback a lot. Um, what am I missing? Anything? Hmm. My dog in here eating something. I'm not sure what the hell he's doing. But uh, I think that's everything. You know, we've been drinking a lot of drop time spirits. Uh, I've been really enjoying their double bourbon. It's 92 proof, 46% alcohol by volume. It is very smooth. It is potent. And there's a beautiful picture of a 12-point buck. So uh, if you haven't heard of those guys, we've just been consuming their beverages on our show almost weekly now, and it's great. Uh, okay. I think that is it. I hope everybody has a great week and a great day and you've enjoyed this episode. Also be sure to check out our tactic talks, 15 minute episodes. 
of deep dive tactics from people that are getting it done around the country, putting big bucks down. And uh, our most memorable hunts. It's a film scored episodic for, from a lot of our guests, but also listener submissions. So if you have a hunt that was memorable, you can submit your story to the podcast. Uh, send us a message if you want to know how to do that or follow the link in our Instagram bio and there's a link to do it. Pretty straightforward stuff. And uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, officially. Have a great day. Have a great week. Hunt public. Adios. Thank you.